This is Don't Panic, episode number 16, recorded September 30th, 2013, on Fire Mayday, twitching esports and shiny new apps. Hello and welcome. It is Monday evening, and unlike the United States government, we are open for business. It is another exciting episode of Don't Panic on Gadgets, the Internet, and You. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by the wonderful, amazing co-hosts, starting with Colby Rabideau. Colby, how's it hanging? Pretty good. I'm super tired, but I'm here. Hanging in there for the team. Yeah. And of course, Dan Miller. Dan, how we doing? Great. Recovering from a uh, cold of sorts, and happy to be reinvigorated with the talk of Steam Boxes. Which are almost like neti pots, but slightly different. <laughs> well, between our uh, our coffees and our teas, hopefully we'll have a lot of good stuff. And for, no uh, beer this week. No, no, we're all pretty beat up. We're gonna stick with our uh, our safe beverages. Maybe next week we'll party. Yes. Uh, but let's start this week short by just reminding everybody, don'tpanic.io is our website, uh, chock full of all that goodness, including links to us on iTunes, which is brand new, and you should definitely subscribe, get us fresh each and every week, delivered straight to your device. Uh, and of course, facebook.com slash don'tpanicshow, and we always welcome live listeners Monday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, join us, uh, don'tpanic.io, and of course, in our chat room, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to move on to our first story, and uh, we're going to talk video games. I, I saw this story. This is something that I've slowly been learning about as time has gone on, and it's really hit me over the last year how big of a deal it is. And, of course, one of my favorite headlines I saw this week, Field of Streams, How Twitch Made Video Games a Spectator Sport. Uh, and this is about... Uh, a startup, Twitch.tv, uh, who, as of today, is the premier site for uh, video game streaming, streaming of video games as they're being played. And this article on The Verge basically just talks about the growth of the competition industry, or as they call it, eSports, which I think is a horrible title, and I really don't care for <laughs> it. Um, but it's very interesting to note that over the last two years, the number of tournaments has doubled, um, and prize money now exceeds $10 million across over 700 tournaments, all of which are streamed live online. For example, uh, next year's League of Legends tournament has gotten so big, they're actually holding it in the Staples Center, the enormous arena in Los Angeles. Right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Twitch.tv has a little over 20 million monthly uh, visitors last year. It doubled this year to $45 million. Um, and it's become incredibly popular. Now, this article credits it to the ability today for technology to actually catch up. And, and you know, years ago, you couldn't stream high-quality video like you can today. And also the fact that it's becoming more mainstream. Twitch.tv is being integrated into the next-gen consoles along with Ustream, so you can stream directly from your device by pressing a button. Um, and I kind of had a first-hand experience with this. The guys I lived with last year uh, in college were big video game guys, and I had never actually sat and watched a video game tournament, but I swear, every weekend there was another tournament on, they would put up on the big screen and just sit and watch people play competitively, and they would, like, as if it were a football game or any other sport, and that's when it, I finally realized, this is actually really interesting, it could be something. I don't know, what do you, uh, we'll start with Dan, uh, what do you uh, see as the future of eSports? Uh, I don't know what I see as the future, I remember... Back 
back in the Counter-Strike days, uh, there's this thing called the Cal League. Did anyone here ever play Counter-Strike? I did a little. Um, uh, Colby did. Nice. I know there were oh, league. yeah. But the like, Cyber Athlete Amateur League. I wonder what ever happened to that. Now it's called the oh, Cyber Athlete Professional League, which I guess is kind of funny. I know Liz, our friend Liz Jasko used to play Counter-Strike competitively on a team. Like, they were, like, sponsored and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. But very much uh, not something anyone knew about who didn't play Counter-Strike. And then... I, the first time, I knew that that existed, but I never watched it. The first time I ever watched competitive sports was, or competitive esports, and honestly, competitive sports also, uh, <laughs> was when uh, StarCraft II came out, and that stuff, the key part of mature, or not mature rating intact, is crazy. Just like, uh, one of the things that's always fascinated me about online games, and specifically, about computer games, because I don't think this is true of consoles, is that the these meta games that develop, like StarCraft II is a strategy game, but the competitive play, it it's not so much about strategy. Like there's, the strategy is so mechanical to them at that point. Like the act of orchestrating these little guys on the screen and moving them around is just like second nature, and they just like they're so good at it that everything just moves exactly how they want it to, and the real like differentiator is this thing called CPM or clicks per minute. So literally, how fast they can click things around on the screen to get the most actions out of the time that they're playing as they can. Like that's crazy. That's like I don't know how their hands do it. Uh, yeah. Talk about carpal tunnel. Right. Exactly. And in Counter Strike, uh, eh, we can talk about this later. This is a topic. To be continued about PC <laughs> games. But uh, as for the future, I don't know. Maybe it will become more mainstream. Uh, didn't ESPN do something with video games in, like, the last year? I don't know. I will look that up. But what I, what I will say, and this is an interesting... The average user spends more than one and a half hours per day watching Twitch. Think about that. Per day. That's a, That's a long time. Yeah. So I think um, to take a different spin on it, I think it's kind of interesting, like, watching people play, like, story-based video games. Like, I think I, I also watched a bit of the StarCraft games online. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just because it was, like, the way they played was nothing like the way I played. You know, right. Um, I didn't play and the a lot commentators of are really good too. Yeah, that was yeah, the other thing. Really... That you have these personalities that develop. So there's not just one commentator for a given esport. There's multiple people commentating on the same game, and you can pick who you want to listen to, which oh, is yeah. really cool. And yeah, then you people don't they. The uh, the people playing also have mics, so you can hear what they're saying, which is it's really. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It, um, so I thought that was cool, but then I think like more and more like games now are becoming more and more, or certain types of games are becoming more story driven, and like I think that might be kind of fun to watch, like 
why why pay for it and bother playing it when you could watch someone else do it? <laughs> maybe maybe that's silly. But like I remember like when I when we were or when I was a kid, we used to do stuff like that all the time. Like you know, one of one of my friends would have a game and we'd sit in 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 his basement for like three hours and <laughs> play. Like yeah. You know, everybody couldn't play at the same time, but it was it was like social. You yeah, know? it was still fun. Definitely, yeah, I miss great. those days. That's it's it's cool. It's interesting. And I think esports is a good gateway to get into that because I think everyone can wrap their head around. Okay, I get it. They're competing. We're watching them compete. Especially with a commentator who can, like, even I. I played StarCraft two and I played it online, uh, but I didn't know. I couldn't tell you the significance of what was happening as it was happening, but, you know, when you get that, you get a lot more into it. They're very professional productions, and one thing I think is interesting, uh, and this this article mentions it, so I can't take credit, but I'd want to, uh, <laughs> is that, you know, uh, the last couple weeks has been America's Cup, the bu- the racing competition, right in your neck of the woods, Colby. Yeah. Um, and... Well, that's an interesting comparison, is it's this very niche audience of very highly motivated people that create a billion-dollar sport, like yacht racing, or boat racing, which the mainstream people don't care about, but I think this is a good comparison, where they're going to have that really niche, narrow audience that is going to devote a stupidly large amount of time and money into being part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's that's where they want to be. And you know, when I first heard about this Twitch website coming out, I'm like, damn, I wish I had thought of that. Like that's <laughs> such a good idea. Yeah, it is. I totally agree. Yep. I like it. I think it's cool. I'm actually now I'm I'm gonna start watching people play video games. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And and the best part is, uh, I have to double check exactly which consoles it's in. Um but in uh, upcoming consoles, it's going to be built right in. Uh, Twitch is directly into the software for Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Ah. So that's, that's it's going to add that convenience factor of essentially one-click um, share. So that, that'll definitely, I'm sure, see a big impact. All right, well, uh, I guess we can stay on the theme of video games and follow up last week's story. Now, on last week's episode, I thought we had a wonderful discussion on Steam OS, the operating system from the uh, Valve, uh, that was based on Linux and was the first of three announcements last week, which they made on Monday, so we could talk about it last week. But they made their second and third announcements on Wednesday and Friday, respectively. We will start with the first one, and that would be Steam Machines, as they were previously called uh, Steam Boxes. Now they're known as Steam Machines. And the short version is that it's a prototype design spec idea. It's not something you're going to go out tomorrow and buy on a shelf at a Best Buy. It's really more of a set of plans Valve is going to make their own box, but they're also going to allow other manufacturers to follow their set of specs and make boxes themselves. We don't know the prices. We don't know the performance. We don't know the specifications. All we know is that 300 beta testers in 20, by the end of 2013 are going to get boxes, and you can uh, enter to uh, be one of the testers, um, and that they'll run SteamOS. 
Cool. That's that's what huh. we know. You know, believe it or not, I found it to be a very uh, light announcement, at least as far as Steam machines go. Yeah, there wasn't much details. Uh, but what I was going to say before, did I, did I talk last week about, like, game mods and stuff? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I was recently reinvigorated with a discussion with someone last week about that and thinking about a lot of the older computer games and, like, the meta games in those, like, you weren't even playing anything that even resembled the game anymore. Like, in Counter-Strike, we would, uh, like, Scouts and Knives. Like, if you just, if you played Counter-Strike and they're like, oh, I'll just join this game, it says Scouts and Knives, I wonder what that would be. You have no idea it was completely different. That You're just floating around and people are flying all over the place and you just keep dying and nothing makes sense. You don't get that with regular consoles because you can't change anything. It's really sad. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see that happen with uh, Steam Machines and Steam OS. That's what I want. It's interesting that they're, like, opening it up to other, well... What do we think about the, the controller? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the controller. That was their Friday, their third announcement. Uh, and that would be a new controller. Uh, the interesting things to note about this controller is that it has a... Uh, it kind of... It doesn't have the, the toggles a traditional controller has. Um, but what it does have is two clickable track pads. They're actually flat. And they... Uh, and those flat track pads are apparently... Um, much more uh, sensitive than your traditional... Uh, what do you call it? Tog? It's not a toggle. It's a jo- uh, joystick, thumbstick. thumbstick. You can tell I don't play video games. Um, <laughs> joystick? Joystick, the little stick you, you bend, you know? <laughs> makes, makes the players go pew pew! Um, and apparently it's also filled with haptic sensors that are super precise. Um, it's got buttons... Uh, like the, the clickable touchscreen in the middle, like yes, it has an enormous uh, touchscreen in the middle that is clickable, which means that it's not touch, but instead the whole thing is one big button you click in, which I think is is kind of smart because it keeps players from not from not having to look at the controller, but they can look at the screen and just kind of you don't have to feel around for specific buttons. Uh, it's going to be uh, part of the Steam machines, and developers can build specifically for it with the API. Um, this obviously isn't available right now. will be available with Steam machines. And uh, the other thing of note is that the 300 baby units for the controller will not be wireless and will not contain the touch screen, in case you care. Um, <coughs> I had a thought. The other day, driving in the car to work, where I have my best thoughts, and I was thinking about Steam and this announcement, and and something kind of clicked in my head, and it made me really excited about this announcement, because, you know, we talk about companies like Apple, and we throw around words like innovation and disruptive a lot, to the point where I think we've almost obscured their meaning. But when I think about what Valve announced last week, I sort of get that innovation vibe. This is a company that has never built hardware 
This is a company that has never had things on Linux. Well, well, well loosely. Have, except for the whole fact they released Steam for Linux like a year ago. Did they? Do people use Linux? Damn. They do. They do. In fact. Uh, but yeah. what I found really interesting was that this is a company who said we don't like how someone else is doing it. Screw them. Let's do it better. What do you mean we don't know what we're doing? Let's figure it out. And they sat down and they thought about it and they tried something bold and new. And that's why I like companies like this and people like Elon Musk and people like Jeff Bezos and these people who actually try new things, who actually go out on a limb. To me, that's innovation. This could be the future. This could be a blip on the map and we won't be talking about it in a year. But regardless... At least to me, this is a company that's trying something, and I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah. Is that they're willing to go out on a limb and really just do what they think is right, regardless of how right it is for their business or how it is for their bottom line. They also have that, uh, they don't have any managers, and the company is run democratically, more or less, almost as a collective, I think. Again, I'll look this up and see if I'm full of shit. I was full of crap about the other thing I said before, whatever that was. Okay. I was totally wrong. ESPN has never broadcast an eSport on, like, cable television. I yep. was wrong. Yep. Uh, what was, so, I think, like, on a lower level, I just think the controller looks really cool. Like, as far as innovation goes, I don't think video game controllers have really changed... I mean, the Wii aside, I guess. Um, mm. But but the Wii is kind of a different class of thing than than Xbox and PlayStation. And um, I think this looks really cool. And like in my brain, I think it could be a good idea. Whether or not it is, a, the trackpads are a good idea in practice. I'm sure. Um, we'll see. But I think it it looks cool. It looks really comfortable. It looks like it has a lot of the things that I love about the Xbox remote, too, uh, which is exciting, because I love the Xbox remote. What's the really Xbox cool. remote? Uh, the, like, like the Xbox controller. The, oh, the, the Xbox standard, controller. The 360 controller. Not, not, the, for, not the Xbox One. That, that was huge. Oh, too much? Um, yeah, the, the 360. Um, and one of the big advantages to this controller is that they say the dual trackpads have a resolution that, a, quote, approaches that of a desktop mouse, which means that you can get precise enough to play those PC-only games that aren't des- that are designed to be used with a mouse and keyboard mm-hmm. with this and controller. You can play online with PC gamers and not just get totally destroyed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's, you know, they, they've really kind of thought this through... And rather than just build a box that plays games, I think they've kind of said, let's figure out what's best for our customers. And if we have to come up with a whole new way of doing it, we'll do it. Sticking true to their roots. That's cool. So it'll be interesting to see when the uh, beta versions come out, supposedly before the first of this year. Um, keep, Keep an eye out. Uh, so I was right. I'm totally buying one as soon as I can. Uh, the Valve employee handbook that was leaked, leaked says uh, 
regarding like management, it says the hierarchy is great for maintaining predictability and repeatability. It simplifies planning and makes it easier to control a large group of people from the top down, which is why military organizations rely on it so heavily. When you're an entertainment company that spent the last decade going on its way out of its way to recruit the most intelligent, innovative, talented people on earth, telling them to sit at a desk and do what they're told obliterates 99% of their value. Uh, the company is yours to steer toward opportunities and away from risks. You have the power to green life projects. You have the power to ship products. So yeah, they're very flat organizationally and very DIY, go for it sort of uh, mentality. Damn hippies. Hmm. No, I think that's wonderful. Uh, I did want to ask you guys before we went off this topic. Um, obviously, we don't know much about this, but hypothetically, say you get a Steam box and a Steam controller. Uh, what what's what's the right price for consumers on this? Um, I mean, I feel like that's gonna be a lot. Well, what the price actually is, I feel like is gonna have a lot to do on the hardware, but. I think if they can undercut the PlayStation and the PS whatever PS4 now, <laughs> I did yes. PlayStation twice, didn't I? Um, the Xbox, the Xbox, which is kind of expensive, right? Um, yeah, four ninety nine. Yeah, I think uh, I think they. I don't know, how much is PS4? Three ninety nine at base. Three ninety nine. I mean, if, it, what if, they could, if they could do two ninety nine, imagine. Yeah. Um, See, I think they could. I think they could charge four ninety nine and get away with it because they're known as a power gaming company. You know, this isn't something you're going to yeah. play Angry Birds on. So I think they could make the case and say, yes, we realize we cost a lot, but we're also giving you really high quality games. See, I feel like there are going to be, like, levels of console or something, though, you know? like. Yeah, they didn't mention that there'd be multiple different... Yeah, so, like, there's going to be that, that high-end, like, super badass uh, console for, for, you know, the Steam gamer who wants the high-end super badass console. Um, but I think there's they're also going to have a low-end uh, for the, the less serious less spec-driven. And there's uh, so many games on Steam that are, like, 10, 15 years old that you can totally play on pretty much any computer now. Yeah. All right. Outstanding. Well, that is Steam, uh, and we are going to move on to Amazon. Uh, this week's all about the announcements, and uh, as we get closer to the holiday season, we're going to see more and more products coming out. Uh, and this past week, Amazon announced, the just in time for Christmas, the updates to the Kindle Fire, the new Kindle Fire HDX. Not a very good name, but aside from that, um, this is uh, two different tablets, one at 8.7-inch. Uh, I want to make sure I got that right. 8.9-inch and a 7-inch. Uh, they are um, spec upgrades, um battery upgrades, the displays um, are very similar. It's really kind of just a body design and um, adding a few features. Now they did update uh, the software which they're calling FireOS 
uh, nicknamed Mojito, because they have to have the funky version names like everyone else. Hmm. Um, the really interesting things to know about this product are that uh, you can now download and view offline Amazon Prime Video. Oh. The only device you can do that on. Um, the and Mayday. Mayday is the other big feature. I don't know if you guys heard about this. No. Um, but this is freaking insane. Okay. Let's say, hypothetical here. Go with me on this. Okay. You're an incompetent computer user. I know okay. you guys know nothing about this. Okay. But go. I with often me. feel like an incompetent computer user. All right, Dan, so let's say you get a Kindle Fire HDX in your lap for Christmas, and yeah. you want to hook up your email to it, and you just don't know how. Uh-huh. What if there's a button on the device, a software button, you push that button, and in 15 seconds or less, there is a live person on video on your device to help you? Wow. Th this person can see your screens, they can draw diagrams on the screen that you can then see, and they will walk you through either setting up the feature or fixing the problem. Is this a new NSA program that was leaked today? <laughs> Boom! Oh, snap! I had to sneak the NSA in there. Uh, <laughs> screens, 15 seconds or less. You really have a problem with Amazon <laughs> having backdoor access to every I, I single was... fire? Uh, this will only be available on the HDX. Um, I, you know, guys, what is, uh, what, what do we think of this uh, Mayday thing? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of neat, though. I like, if it works, even if it doesn't work, I don't know. <laughs> even if it doesn't work, it's still pretty cool. I'd, I'd press I it mean, a few times. Like, it's great, because you know, you know when my dad can't figure something out on his iPad, he certainly doesn't call Apple tech support. He calls me. So. <laughs> and being able to see the screen For is a huge advantage. Yes, yeah. Because it's um, hard to describe yeah. things over the phone. It's a really cool idea. And it'll be interesting to see at peak holiday season exactly how they, uh, if that 15 second or less guarantee really counts. <laughs> uh, it is important to note that they cannot see you. They cannot access your camera, so don't worry about that. You can just see the screen, right? Yes. Although, hypothetically, if you had the camera app open, I suppose they could see you, but I don't know why you would do that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, there's also Miracast support. Uh, if you have one of the three devices that has Miracast built in. Um, let's see, it's uh, $299 for the 7-inch, $379 for the 8.9-inch, uh, and you can get those with LTE for a little more, uh, $100 more. And Amazon has also announced a $139 Kindle Fire HD tablet. Now it has the same body and design of the old Kindle Fire HD, uh, this new one has a slightly different uh, design. Uh, it has a slightly faster processor, but otherwise it's basically the same. Um, so do you guys think uh, holiday sales? I mean, is this going to be a, a blockbuster item? Are we going to see the... Is this the next Furby? I don't um, think anything will ever be the next Furby. <laughs> oh, God. Those things were so annoying and creepy. <laughs> 
I'm glad I, I didn't have one, but my sister had one. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure once or twice it, like, turned on in the middle of the night by itself. <laughs> she got really freaked out. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very confused. There's too many tablets now. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, how well did the last one do? At Gangbusters, tens of millions. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, it was super cheap, right? And um, it was $200, just like the Nexus 7. Yeah, I mean, they're all right around the same price. I really think it's an ecosystem question at this point. If you're really invested in Google, you should probably buy an Android tablet. If you're a big Amazon person and you have Amazon Prime and now you can... You know, between their MP3 store and their video store and their cloud storage, I mean, they do most of this stuff anyway. Um, if you're a big Amazon user, then you should probably get the Kindle Fire. I think the advantage to, and why I think it's a good Christmas item specifically, is that Kindle has made a big deal about being kid-friendly, that they have a lot of built-in features, and I, they have names for all of them, and I don't honestly remember, but you can limit how much time a child has, say, on a video app versus an educational app. Uh, you can lock down the app store. You can have more limits on in-app purchases, app purchases, um, certainly more than what Android and iOS have right now. So, you know, that's why I think this is definitely a great, and especially having one at 139, I think is a great something for for children, you know, I would almost hesitate giving a child a Nexus 7 because, you know, not that it's difficult, but I certainly, and, I, and I've used a Kindle Fire uh, for a while, and I don't think it's as difficult to use as a Android tablet. Of course, it's not as flexible, but for, like, a kid or someone young, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think kids should have tablets at all. I've recently decided this. Like, after being out to dinner and, like, <clears throat> the family next to you is, like, the parents sitting silently and the kid, like, playing games on the iPad. Can we talk about that for a second? I'm sorry. I want to cut in because I, I cannot tell you how despised I get when I see families out to dinner or out sitting at a park bench or something and they have three kids and all of them are on a device. Like, what is yeah. up with that? Yeah, no, my kids are not going to know what the internet is till they're like, I don't know. Old. Well, you don't think it's it's about limits and about realistic. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I, I, no, I mean they're they're right, right. You're right. It's it's not a, um, yeah, like they're gonna read real books, and huh. I don't know, figure out what to do without any. Live off the land. <laughs> exactly. Well. It was easier back when there was only one computer in the house and there was only dial-up, so the only real way you could use the internet if no one else was using the computer and if no one else was using the phone. Right. So that was like an hour a day. <laughs> I mean, maybe cold turkey is not the real answer, but there's an answer in here somewhere. In like, <laughs> Well, and even if these kids were like sitting reading a book on the iPad, like that's fine, but they're like playing Candy Crush. Right, exactly. I'm like... Is, I, you know, I I don't know if it's actually any worse than sitting there playing a Game Boy, right? Um, like I guess we had that stuff too. I guess but parents these days are just too true. apathetic and just don't. Because I remember, you know, because your parents used to yell at you when you played the Game Boy at the table. Yeah. I feel like today's yeah. parents, they're the ones who give it to you. Yeah, I'm sure it's not all parents, but no. there are those parents. You know who you are. 
I want to. I'm gonna slap them. I'm telling you, they're gonna get <laughs> it because it it really. It's just really bizarre. It's you know it seems like it's maybe it's like just younger and younger kids is what what gets to me like I don't know like you know three year olds like jeez blows my mind. I yeah I'm not I think the tablet's a lot better than the cell phone because the yeah, tablet oh yeah, the, yeah I I would give a kid a tablet it's like a Game Boy you can't take it to school really. You can't, like, you know, well, surreptitiously take it to school. Whereas the cell phone is just, it, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and the cell phone is just so, can do so much bad and so much good, but. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it's, it's a fact. Bad things on television aren't bad to kids. It's the parents who let them watch it. So just remember, it all falls on you, parents. Indeed. All, all, all <laughs> public, <parents>. service <laughs> public service announcement from Don't Panic. <laughs> the more you know. Okay. Uh, and with that, we're going to briefly talk about, to keep us on time here, uh, Microsoft Surface. I know, right? Exciting? Yeah? I'm excited. Yeah? So I'm excited for one thing that I, I like, I'll, I'll talk about after you give us an overview. All right, well, let's talk about it. Microsoft announced the updates to the Microsoft Surface. Uh, as before, there are two versions, the lower-priced ARM version running, running Windows RT 8.1 and the full uh, x86 version running Windows Pro 8.1, um, although the ARM version is now known just as Surface 2. No more of that RT confusion. Yay. I know, finally. Um, the new RT tablet, uh, Surface 2, is uh, Tegra 3, uh, oh, replaces the Tegra 3 with a Tegra 4 and a, a new HD screen, which supposedly it needed. Uh, it's also thinner and lighter with 25% more battery. The Surface Pro 2 brings in a Haswell processor with a 75% improvement in battery life. Uh, it has storage <laughs> options uh, with options for 4 or 8 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, essentially looks the same as its predecessor. Now, the interesting... Uh, oh, one other thing I will note. The old Surface RT is currently on sale for uh, a discount. $349 for the old Surface RT. The uh, new Surface RT, your Surface 2, is going to be $449. And Surface Pro 2, the full Windows version, is going to be $899. And, of course, those prices fluctuate based on if you add storage or memory. Whew. Okay. Now, the other thing of note, now we talked about the new devices, and that's wonderful and all, but a big thing was the accessories, because everyone loves accessories. So, uh, they introduced the updates to the touch, the, the touch and type covers, um, and introduced the power cover, which is a cover containing a battery along with a type cover, so it's a little thicker, but contains a battery, and adds two and a half times the battery life. There's also a docking station that adds three USB 2 ports, a USB 3 port, another mini display port, and an Ethernet port. Um, let's see. They also announced the Surface Music Kit, which is a touch cover with a mixing deck instead of a keyboard. Um, and uh, they also brought in, uh, when you buy a Surface, you get a year of free international calls, a year of free Skype Wi-Fi access, and 200 gigabytes of SkyDrive cloud storage for two years. 200 gigabytes. 
It's crazy. They're, they, people won't buy it, so they're giving it away. Um, <laughs> so with that, that's all the Surface News. Dan, go ahead. What do you got on your mind? Uh, what? I don't know. I guess it seems cool. Oh, I thought I you had something specific. I saw someone using a Surface in real life for the first time on Saturday. So were they were they clicking in the keyboard like in the commercial? Uh, no, they uh, just used it like a laptop. <laughs> the problem um, I have with Surface is I really want to like it. I really, really want to like it. And then I look at it and I'm like, it's not as good. It's not good as a laptop. And it's not really that great as a tablet. I'm like, you know, they kind of joke that it's a no-compromise device, but there's a lot of compromise going on. Like, if I want, you know, it's like, oh, well, we have keyboards now. It's like a laptop. Well, then I'll just buy a laptop. You know, oh, look, it's you take off the, it's, it's a tablet. Well, yeah, it's a big tablet, and it's thick, and it's heavy. And if I wanted a tablet, you know, I don't know why I would get this versus getting a laptop and, like, a Nexus 7. So, um, my the thing I like about this, I'm not I'm not gonna run out and buy a Surface Pro. I will just I will just preface this. However, what I I am excited to see is like the docking station thing where it docks here. Like, that's really that's what I want. I want to have a tablet thing that I plug in to my giant thing and and like I do with my laptop now, right? Like right now I have a MacBook Air plugged into a cinema display, right? That's that's almost great. It's okay. It's almost great. Um, what would be greater is if that MacBook Air was more of an iPad and I could just pick it up off of this and use it while, comfortably while sitting on my bed. Um, and I also, you know... Like as silly as some of the, the, the keyboards may be, or and as not exciting as they hype them up to be, um, I think it it is an interesting approach at like making it useful as kind of an on-the-go device too. But I think that the ability to to dock it like that and and make it a desktop computer is actually kind of cool. Um, I, yeah, and I like that. You know, I think. This first came up when, like, Ubuntu was talking about their tablets, or maybe they're still doing that. I don't know. Um, I would I would like that, too. I would I would gladly buy a Linux tablet. I was actually just looking at that. Is there a tablet? Can I buy a Linux tablet? I want to. I have no idea. I don't know. We should, we should find out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know, and I, and I wish them... All the success in the world with their fun little kickstand and everything, but, um, you know, it's just kind of a weird device. And the biggest problem I have is I, if I want a full Windows 8 laptop, I kind of will just get a laptop. And the laptop, I, I just bought a Windows 8 Touch laptop, and it's light and it's convenient, and I don't mind that it's a laptop. The problem I have is I don't mind an RT tablet. They still don't have any apps. Right, like at, no, at, that's the one I was going to ask, but I thought that'd be a spurious question. No, well, at three forty nine, even the old one, that's not, and that's a ten inch tablet at three forty nine. I mean, that's not an outrageous, you know, that's a decent price. Although the upgrades to the new one kind of make it worth putting in the extra, but mm -hmm. I, I would never buy one because there's n no apps. 
There's just none. I mean, I, I was thinking about the picks we do for the show, and I'm like, God, it seems like every week I'm doing an iOS app, and I'm like, oh, right, because where are all the apps? <laughs> iOS. Like, yeah. I'm not, we don't do it on purpose. It's like, yeah, they come first to iOS. That's just how it is. So it's, that's, that's where they, they lose me on that. They, they don't have the complete ecosystem. Yeah, which is an ongoing problem for them, I think. Um, but that's that's why, like, were I to get one, I would definitely get the Pro. I mean, obviously I'm not, because I don't have a casual, like, $900 to waste on it. <laughs> but um, I, I like the idea of a very, like, uber-portable, but yet full-power full computer. Um that's cool. Like that's you know that's why I like the MacBook Air because it's it's tiny. It is literally the nicest laptop in the entire world, um, <laughs> and I can still do everything I want to do on it, and it feels good. And I will give them credit. They dropped those stupid dancing people commercials, and I don't know if you've seen the new ones where they put it up against the iPad. Oh really? Uh, Have you seen those? And and they they no. go you know in the Siri voice it goes you know. You know, oh look, it's a surface, and the surface, the surface lady goes, you know, oh look, I have a USB port, and the iPad's like, I can't do that, and then it's like, oh look, I have a Office, oh I can't do that, oh you know, and they they actually do a decent feature compare, um, yeah. which is where you really want to compete is on yeah, features. Remarkable and, for a, a, a Microsoft ad. No kidding, right? Actually <laughs> highlighting their product strengths while Instead highlighting their competitors' weaknesses. Having Jerry Seinfeld walk around. Eating a churro, yeah, those were fun. Remember the the Windows Seven was my idea ads. Yes, yeah. and I'm a PC. <laughs> yeah, they're not marketing geniuses. Okay, uh, wonderful, outstanding discussions as always. But we are going to move on to our picks of the week, um, and we are going to start with uh, Colby. Nice. Because I don't think we've started with you in a while. So we're going to start with Colby, who has a pick. So go ahead, Colby. What, what do you have for us? So the other day, I was reading the internet, and um, I used to have, so a long time ago, I used to use Google Apps for my email when it was still free to do stuff like that. And I had a pretty nice email address. And then, like, I recently got a significantly better domain, which is Colby R. Dot com, um, but Google Apps is no longer free, so I didn't really want to pay for that, and it's actually kind of expensive, uh, so it totally wasn't worth it. Sean just disappeared. He doesn't even listen when I speak. He's so <laughs> rude. <laughs> um, but, you know, I do, like, I like having my own branded email, and, you know, lots of people say that, like, take back your identity, mm. um, says the guy who works at Facebook. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so the other day I saw some article on Hacker News about fastmail.fm which apparently for is an email service and for a while they belonged to Opera and then just recently they the members of the company bought themselves back from Opera um which is why they were in the news but it looked kind of cool it's like uh you know, it's it's like a standard, pretty top of the line email service, um, 
and also very reasonably priced for for I think I get 10 gigs of storage and like full IMAP support and custom domains and all kinds of things for $40 a year which is completely reasonable. Um, they also have a two-month free trial, which is great because I had a chance to try it before before I I committed to it, which I'm still in the process of trying it. Uh, but so far, I'm pretty fond of it. I've forwarded all my Gmail to, to this one. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for an alternative to Gmail... Uh, check out fastmail.fm. Um, they also have uh, inter like they have less less expensive even less expensive plans down to like five dollars a year I think and you just lose features. Um, I went with the forty dollar one because I wanted a custom domain and I think that was the first tier that you could do that. Um, but yeah, now you can reach me at me at colbyr.com. So, yeah. Sweet deal. Fancy. Wow. And the price is right, so very cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to jump in and uh, do my pick. And my pick this week is an iOS app. Go figure. And uh, this is an app. I've actually been using it for probably two or three years. It's been quite a while. Uh, they had a deal where you could get it for free for a short period of time. And what's better than free? But... How many times has this happened to you? You're out doing something, and you want to scan a document. Okay? <laughs> it happens a lot. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Was it, was it Dan? You wanted to figure out a way to scan documents. Oh, yeah, yeah. This right. is where this came up. It reminded me. I take back my snickering. <laughs> and it, <laughs> And so I said, you know, I, I have a big, huge, multifunction printer thing with a scanner on top. Whatever. It's killer. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And once you know it, they've done it. The app is called TurboScan, all one word. And it's now available in the iTunes App Store. It is a buck ninety-nine, which I think is crazy reasonable. Uh, and what I'm going to do is uh, flip to the app cam. Trademark. Oh, it has, has a name now? Yes, it does. That's uh, cool. So this is the app. It is uh, really mediocre looking. It is not very designer, but it's very effective. And they have what's known as SureScan, and I wanted to do a demonstration of how it actually works. Uh, and I have this test document here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually take and... Here we go. I'm going to hold it up above the document and snap one... Hold in the same place, snap two, and one more time, snap three. This is how you make sure you get the best document. And there you go. There's the document, scanned in black and white, and you can adjust, make it lighter, darker. Uh, you can also adjust if you want it in color as a photo, black and white. Uh, for example, there you, I don't know if you can see the reds and the greens. Um, you can hit next. It saves the page automatically. You can name it. You can add several pages so you can have a full document. And my favorite part is there's this little export button. You can email it or you can open PDF in any of the fantastic apps. So you want to open it in Dropbox, Evernote, Google Drive. You can save it directly to there, which is what I do. I save it directly to my Dropbox. 
Um, and what's wonderful is, let me show you some examples. Uh, I was doing research in the library. This is uh, an article from US News. And there you go, you see I scanned the cover in color. And then there's the actual scanned article. I did these in color because of the graphics. I'll show you one I did in black and no, I don't want to delete it. Um, so here's a document I scanned in black and white. And if I zoom in, you can see the text is really clear. And that's just for me taking three pictures of it. So um, it's super easy to use, super easy to use with all your different services, whether it's Dropbox or Evernote, you can send right to it. And it takes, you saw it takes two seconds. Uh, I am a big fan, and it's great for research and uh, all kinds of different things. It's just good to have in your back pocket. Uh, in case there's a document you can't get a copy of right away, snap a couple pictures. It's $1.99, and it's called TurboScan uh, is the name of the app. So I, uh, a big recommendation for me. It's a, it's a good app that gets the job done well. Cool. Cool. And we are going to move on to uh, D. Mills, who has a uh, a heck of an app here for us, Dan? What, what do we heck have? Heck of an app. Heck of an app. Uh, so, let me share the screen. Hopefully, I can unshare it this week. That would be exciting. Uh, so, I've always used this thing. Or well, I've used it for a little over a year now. Called OmniFocus. Sean's shaking his head. Not a fan, Sean. Uh oh. Oh, well, anyways, I'll just keep talking because I can't hear you anyways. Your screen uh, was black for a while. I was waiting for it to come up, and I was shaking oh, my head at that. But no, uh, you continue. Okay. I've never used this. I'm excited. Okay, so you have ever read or heard of the book Getting Things Done? This is a getting things done tool software implementation. Uh, and I've used it for a while, but they released a new version that unfortunately you have to pay for. But it is very, very very iOS 7, more so than any other app. It's just completely redesigned. Everything is very flat. Everything looks pretty awesome. Is you know, looks very clean. The use of color is very sparse. Uh, there's maps. There's voice memos. There's notes. So basically, what you do is you create tasks and then you sort them into you put them in your inbox and then periodically throughout the day you look at your inbox and you add contexts and projects. So for example, <clears throat> tonight one uh, task was find a pick for don't panic, context, I need a laptop to do this, and project don't panic. So if I'm at my laptop and I'm looking for something to do, I can just open up the laptop context. If I'm at the office and I'm looking for something to do, I can just open up the office context. That way I can do all the things that I have to do there. If I'm going to go into a meeting with someone, I can open up that person's context so I know what things I should talk to them about. Uh, it's a really great system. I highly recommend reading the book, uh, but the app is really well designed if you're looking for things to look cool on your iOS 7. <laughs> holding out yeah. for the for the new iPad uh, version, but yeah, pretty nice. OmniFocus. That is uh, for very, iPhone. It's very pretty. Yeah, it looks really good. Is it uh, is it worth the nineteen ninety nine they're charging for the new version? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is it, are you asking in general, or if you've already bought the old version? Uh, I guess both. I think in general, if you are an Apple 
person and you have a Mac and you have an iPad and you have an iPhone, then OmniFocus is like, and you use the getting things done system, then OmniFocus is the best way to do that. And if you're getting paid to be productive, then the 60 bucks or so this will set you back will pay for itself. The Mac uh, app is $80. $80? I did not pay $80 for it. Sheesh. Getting a little greedy. Well, you don't need... Who needs a Mac app, right? Just get the iPhone. You have... I'm serious, though. I don't... I barely use the iPhone app. I just take out my phone as I'm walking around. I'm like, all right, what should I do next? Uh, uh, so it's pretty great for that. Cool. OmniFocus for iPhone 2. Awesome. I love it. All right. Well, sadly, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's show. Can you believe it's over? Can't. No. You, you want some good news? Yeah. yeah. We're going to be back next week. Oh, thank God. That's right. That's right. Next <laughs> Monday, right here. That's right. Everybody out there who's out there watching, we appreciate you being part of our Don't Panic family. We do this live every Monday night. Uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that would be other times and other time zones. Um, we also uh, encourage you to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash don'tpanicshow. We post all the new stuff uh, right there when the new episodes go live, and the best way to get us directly on your device every single week is on iTunes. iTunes, uh, subscribe, search Don't Panic, or you can get the link on our website, don'tpanic.io. Gentlemen, anything you want to leave us with this week? I got nothing. Have a, have a wonderful week. It's only just beginning. The and world... Tuesday is the worst day, so after that it's all up. <laughs> Tuesday is the best day, I will point out. But the world might end today, tonight, tomorrow. So maybe we won't see you next week. But we, if, if the U.S. government manages to stay afloat and we don't break down into a like socio-anarchist state here where everyone is just roaming the streets. I think we'll be back. So basically you're saying if we're not in some scary dystopian sci-fi future by next Monday, we'll be right here. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Well, we I can't, always are. can't think of a better note to end on than that. So, good night. Good night.